Welcome to the podcast. We are here with Katie Sweeney. She is the CEO of AIM, which is Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. And we're going to talk about all kinds of things like what women do in mortgages and how you guys are helping women. Yep. Also, um, what you're doing for brokers in Washington. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited. Awesome. Excited to be back in person again. Yes. And thank <laughs> you for coming all the way out to San Diego. I I went to school just a couple hours north of here, and I will literally take any excuse to come back out <laughs> here because I don't make it to the West Coast often enough. For sure. I know the weather is, is uh, we won't talk about that, but uh, please, it's yeah, a little please. bit... Uh, <laughs> Superior than just Philly, a little, but <laughs> just a little. Hey, I'm not gonna. I've grown to enjoy Philadelphia, but I will never claim to defend it or be. Mm -hmm. That's not where I'm from. That is not my city. It's a lovely second place to be, but yes, I'm a, a Dallas girl through and through. And Malibu. I went to school up at Pepperdine. Not okay. too far. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's not too far. So how'd you get in the mortgage business? Tell us about that. Completely by accident, which okay. I feel like every person that you ask that question to probably says the same thing. Yeah, it's not their calling necessarily. No, but just, definitely not. Yeah, so how did I, it happen? Uh, I started in healthcare. Well, let's back up. I actually started in sports broadcasting. Okay. Um, and so a lot of what I was doing initially for Nike, for the Cowboys, for the Rangers was figuring out how to tell stories and how to make people care about information that mm -hmm. maybe isn't as easy to connect to. How do you expand our audience, our footprint beyond just the sports fanatics and get into the homes of people who are passive fans and passive viewers? Mm -hmm. um, from there, I got into healthcare and was working in competitive intelligence and research. I have a data background, I think probably the statistics that grew from sports, and I mm -hmm. just kind of latched onto that and kept going. And um, I was looking for something different and new. I was doing a lot of online like behavioral profiling and persona development and um, had a friend who was working at Pacific Union Financial at the time on the marketing mm -hmm. team and knew they were hiring for someone to hop into the consumer direct world that understood online engagement and what that meant. And so I went in, I hit it off with the, with the team and the, the leadership group over there and the rest is history. I started in consumer direct marketing and analytics. Mm -hmm. I built out the port retention team, built out a new customer acquisition team there. I think at one point we had uh, somewhere between 80 and 90 LOs probably, um, wow. decent size. Yeah. And for anybody not familiar with Puff, it was um, a lot of lower FICO, a lot of Govy loans. Some subprime stuff. Mm -hmm. Just a different, yeah, mm -hmm. different bruised credit, I think was the term that we used. <laughs> bruised credit, yeah. <laughs> um, just needed a little bit of work and a little love, but that also meant there was a lot of port retention that went into it, knowing mm -hmm. people were coming into the portfolio, they were high risk to leave. I was working on um, default personas and risk assessments on who we thought was highest risk and how we were going to defend that against others once their credit score got uh, improved a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so from there, the head of technology said, all right, come take what you're doing in Consumer Direct and let's figure out how we do it in wholesale and correspondent because we were a multi-channel lender. Mm -hmm. um, I designed the uh, broker portal for okay. Pacific Union. And then uh, that's when I met some of the team, um, Anthony Casa and the rest of the, the group that was working on building Arrive at the time. And he pulled me over, mm -hmm. worked at Arrive, helped bring it to market, and now we're with AIM. Awesome. So yeah. Arrive is, is launched then. Arrive is launched. It is live. It, it, uh, I think the initial, there's always a phase one of a product, right? Yeah, and like phase the beta. One of, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where we were. Um, we had a great technology partner that stepped in and took over a lot of the larger development initiatives over the last year, year and a half. Okay. Um, I think if you saw the product initially and you saw it now, 
it's a very same goal, same vision, very different product, different solution, much more efficient. Uh, it's a full LOS, right? Full LOS. Like you can pull credit. You can do engine, the whole awesome. whole thing. There's integrations with different lenders out there that are bi-directional that talk back and forth. That's uh, great. It's yeah, it's pretty impressive. The That's goal cool. there was always I sat on the stage with Kevin Peranio uh, and Devin Daly from Homebridge. Um, and a broker actually at Digital Mortgage Conference in 2019 and said, mm -hmm. we are going to build something that allows brokers access to the same level of technology that you find in retail. Mm -hmm. So there's no longer a question about why you should join the broker channel. Nice. And that's Arrive has taken that vision. Harish and Eric and the whole team over there have run with it over the last year and a half. And it's there's still some work to do for sure, but it's mm -hmm. also still a pretty new product. Um, well, you probably gave a facelift. Like if you go back and look at what most brokers are using, it, a lot of it just is super outdated it's looking. So it feels clunky. Yeah, and, and it like just I haven't seen. I need to do a demo because I need it. You have. Oh, love to see it. I'm happy to give you one myself or set you up with the team over there. There's just the biggest gap between retail and wholesale for so long was access to enterprise level solutions, whether it was mm. a technology vendor or uh, marketing services or coaching, consulting, whatever it is, small entrepreneurs oftentimes have a lack of access or a lack of funds mm -hmm. to be able to get. Yeah, they only have just what they're, you know, and a lot of brokers are smaller little, I don't want to say mom and pop shop, but like in they a way are. they're like, they're, you know, some of them have two brokers in them or yep. two loan officers and then some of them have a thousand right exactly but most of them are probably fit in that dozen you know category or yep. like under a dozen and so they don't have the huge budgets to do something like this exactly that's pretty impressive that you guys got it to the finish line got yep. it out it's past beta testing you think oh it, far oh, past yeah awesome. there's there's probably well there's a couple thousand brokers that are using it regularly nice. now i mean it's it's making some headway i'm I would feel confident saying in the next 18 months, there will no longer be a question of the best LOS in the market for the channel. Awesome. I really don't think there will well, we be. We got to get fun loans in there. You got to get in yes. there. Yes, I will. The Their pricing engine is super impressive. It okay. handles all product types, everything that you guys have. Mm -hmm. they can tackle, which I think is also a little bit tougher to find, especially right. with the full LOS integration. Yeah, because there's lender price, there's OB, but if you guys are doing kind of something similar with your platform, yep. then it's like one-stop shop, right? Exactly. Why, exactly. Go, why go elsewhere? That's the goal, right? That's How cool. do you not only bring access to enterprise solutions, but also make it easy to utilize them? Because yeah, you could sit there and piece together some of the services that you just mentioned with another LOS and another CRM and another... But then you've got to have somebody on your team that's handling all of that technology mm -hmm. and all of the integrations. Let's just do it for you. Right. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out the partnerships between all these different companies and make sure that when you sign up for one, it's streamlined to get access to all of them. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're doing that for the brokers. Tell like, what else are you doing for the brokers? I mean, that's a lot we already. A lot. Yeah. And then I know I've been to the conferences and those are great. You know, yep. rah, rah, get people pumped up for doing mortgages, which you know, it's, it's hard to, when rates go up and people get a little frustrated, but like, what are you guys doing also? Or what are other things you're doing for brokers? Yeah, we are. A lot of what we're focused on this year is sort of leveling up all of the member services that we've offered sort of unofficially or without a real process in the past and making sure that those things are scalable and sustainable going forward. Okay. We started 2020 about 25% of our current size. Okay. So in 18 months, we've grown three times over, which is wild to think about. There was so much movement and so much engagement and involvement early on. It felt like the group was so large, but it's just continued to snowball over the last year and a half. And we've got 
I was just talking to somebody this morning telling them we have over 60,000 people now engaging with our communication on a weekly basis. Wow. Weekly. That's a big number. That's a lot so of people. would you say, is it 60,000 brokers or you're including processors and yeah, we're including marketing people? Team or members. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And is it mostly brokers? Like mostly? Yeah. And you have some lenders yeah, that are patched in there kind of, but they're, they broker as well, yep. right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. 60,000. That's, That's a grown a lot. Exactly. So do you think Fuse is going to be, is it Fuse? Yep, Fuse. Is that going to be... Um, big this year yeah we are expecting fuse to be about double the size of any event we've ever hosted wow and i think you were there in 2019 yep so double that and wow. that's what we're expecting this year any special speakers that we have a, yeah we have gary a few. vaynerchuk was pretty a, good he was great yeah. he was great we have well magic johnson's already been announced okay um so wow. we're yeah excited to have him we actually have three Big keynotes outside of some of the industry keynotes that we're used to. Okay. Matt Ishbia will be speaking. Barry Habib mm -hmm. will be speaking. We've got some of those kind of staples for the channel, but mm -hmm. we've got three others. Um, Magic being one of them. When is this podcast going to air? Can I? Uh, like in a week. All right. Well, then by the time this comes out, yes. Molly Bloom will have been announced okay. as well. For any, If you're familiar with her, she's the Molly's Game, if you've seen yes. that movie. Yes, love that movie. Yes. All right. Well, that's her. Okay. Uh, so that's Molly great. will be speaking there as well, um, talking about kind of building a business as an entrepreneur, understanding your audience, sort of what I was just referencing, yeah. how you connect with people and the things that's that huge. matter to them. And we've got one more that we mm. can't announce until the end of July. Okay. Um, that'll be coming out that's a little more in line with Gary V that I think people are going to be excited about. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I hope to see you guys there because yes. it's going to be awesome this year. Yeah. Um, what? So, yeah, you can keep going. What What other things you guys do? I know there's yeah. there's, AIM, there's AIM Fuse. There's yep. the uh, the portal with, with the LOS. What else? Yeah. So we've got... Like a Facebook channel, right? Yeah. So we've got our online community is massive. Mm -hmm. um, same thing. We had about 4,000 people to start last year. Uh, we're north of 11,000 in one of our groups and close to 3,500 in another in our Women's Mortgage Network that's only Amazing. existed for about 18 months. Okay. So both of those also have just continued to snowball. Mm -hmm. um, we are really diligent and really thorough about who gets into those groups. Um, so they've continued to grow really fast, but that's all broker. That's the only mm -hmm. people that are part of that community are in our channel. Do they have to get approved to get into the channel? Yep. Awesome. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So you've got to be... We've got to know where you work. We vet your NMLS number. We vet your employer. We have to know all of those things before letting somebody in. There's a lot of people that want to get in that group. Right. Um, maybe not always for the best reason. Sure. So, I'm sure there's a lot of people trying to fish. Yeah, exactly. Know. Trying to keep it as pure as we can so that the conversations are organic mm -hmm. and natural and helpful to the things that brokers need to know and need to have access to and not getting overrun by ads or solicitations or promotions right. that we want to avoid that. Right. as long as we can yeah the things that i've seen in there have been really helpful like just little questions that people have about things and everyone's super helpful and they will they jump in and you know type in yeah if the, you know if you have a multi-family unit yep. or this or that you know they always have answers and oh you should go here go there and yep. and it's you get a lot out of it which is exactly. great exactly a lot That's of scenarios cool. just bouncing really specific situations off of people guidance or advice everything from I just joined the channel or I just got licensed or I just started my own shop all the way to I've been around for 25 years and mm -hmm. I feel like I'm burning out. Like, what can I do to get back engaged? Give me some ideas. How do I market myself? How do I update my brand and my look and the way that I'm communicating with people? And 
anything that would fall in the middle. It's yeah. cool to see the breadth of the type of conversations in there for sure. It's impressive. And the engagement's massive. I think you look at anybody else that's got a group of that size, you usually mm-hmm. see engagement at like well, 30, 35, maybe 40% on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. We're at 90% on a weekly basis. Wow. <laughs> so we're seeing thousands and thousands of posts and comments and likes and we'll see a hundred thousand engagements in a seven day stretch do you see any arguments like people getting upset you know (laughs) we're it's we'll say it's a respectful discourse that's what we'll call it that's good most people are respectful you always have the oddball that sort of (laughs) upsets the apple cart a little bit and people can definitely be really passionate we're we're really trying i think one of the criticisms quite honestly of of aim and where we came from was that sometimes it was a little the word that's been tossed around to me recently on why people maybe haven't been as engaged before as they wanted to be was that it felt a little cultish or like you would Mm. come in and if you disagreed people were a little too aggressive or too abrasive in their communication and Mm. instead of coming from a place of informing you or educating or helping it was a little like you don't know the answer whatever (laughs) newbie exactly uh and i think we've worked really hard with some of the the people that have been around since the very beginning and a lot of the new people top producers that are starting to get engaged with aim and making sure that they're helping push a message of i'm gonna give everybody the benefit of the doubt they're asking a question they don't know the answer let's answer it as though they don't it's okay that they yeah it's okay to ask questions no dumb questions right there's no dumb questions we've got a whole process now if people aren't comfortable doing that they can ask anonymously um Mm -hmm. that seems to be doing we just launched a mentorship program that's helping with a lot of that which is pretty cool is this all free to the broker all of it's free all of it i don't know why anyone wouldn't do it exactly unless they're so busy and their pipeline's so big that they can't but even in that case we've got a whole escalations process right so you might not need aim or need our support to grow your business or to market and maybe you've got a scenario whiz on your team or a pre-underwriter that's handling all of it for you and that type of support isn't necessary that's okay but they could maybe go use it right but you guys could all there's something is always bound to go wrong no Mm -hmm. like there is never a situation where 100 percent of your pipeline is 100 percent smooth the entire time it doesn't (laughs) we know that right right? especially (laughs) different types of products and different types of borrowers and we've got an escalation process with a 93% resolution rate. Brokers will come to us and say, I tried to fix this. Mm -hmm. It didn't work. What can you do? How can you help me? And we offer this for every partner that we have. Lender, vendor, if you're a partner of Ames, we offer this service. And we will take that information, go directly to the decision makers at our partners. So you're not getting lost in some of the layers that exist with AEs and managers and directors and all of these things where things maybe aren't always handled the right way just because there's a lack of information or a lack of training or experience or whatever the case may be. We'll take it to the top. 93% of the time, we can get it resolved in favor of whatever the broker is looking for. That's we good. In June alone, sixty over $60 million in loans that we saved through our escalation process. That's great. Which is massive. Yeah. So you might not need us to market. You may not need na- AIM to to push your name out there or to deal with scenarios or to help answer questions on how you can grow your business or how you can scale. But having us in your back pocket when something goes wrong can be really beneficial in a pinch. Yeah. Um, And we're always going to be around for that. You got their back. Exactly. So how did the brokers are better come together? Like what is, what is that? I mean, it's just like kind of like we're, I mean, it's a cool slogan. I I love it. Um, Did, uh, what's the meaning behind it? Yeah. I I think a couple, so, Brokers Are Better actually came to fruition while I was still at Arrive. 
So I wasn't quite at AIM yet, but seeing it from the outside looking in, mm-hmm. I think there was this need for a rallying cry that helped hold everybody together. And mm-hmm. I'm just looking right now, right? You've got a logo on your mug, Fun yes. Loans. People know. Shameless. <laughs> right? But people know. They see it. They know Fun Loans. You've got a whole team of people here that can wear that proudly, that can help yeah. push the message and the name. And there's a national presence associated with it because of the size of the business. For most brokers, they're local within their communities and they mm-hmm. don't have a national presence. So trying to spread a message of talk to a broker is really hard when there are five people on your team and you're repping your own company the entire right. time. But Well, you're dealing with also huge, massive marketing budgets. Huge. For like Quicken or these big I companies, right? Giant, right? It's massive. what I did in Consumer Direct. And it's right? like David against Goliath, right? Exactly. The only way to compete at scale with that kind of messaging with people that are regularly putting out there, push a button, get a mortgage. All you have mm-hmm. to do is call someone and we'll get you pre-approved immediately. And trying to redirect those borrowers to talk to a broker in your community, there needed to be something that sort of normalized the conversation and helped pull people together under a singular brand and right. a single vision and voice. And that's where Brokers Are Better was born. It was something that everybody could relate to, that everyone could be proud of, that gave every member of our association something that they could wear and rep alongside their company to mm-hmm. help push the message Brokers are a great option for borrowers. Right. Start your conversation with a broker. Um, and I think, you know, there's a little bit of a notion that maybe it was a bit brash or abrasive <laughs> or was used in a way that was um, maybe a little more aggressive in the past. But I think a big part of that was for so long, brokers have been trying to get the message out there that you should start your conversation with them and that mm-hmm. you should be having those conversations before you go anywhere else. And this helped bring people together as a true rallying cry to say, finally, like finally I have something mm-hmm. and it's being pushed across the country and everyone is listening to what we have to say. A big part of what we're focused on over the next year, year and a half is not just saying, you know, brokers are better. If you're not a broker, screw you. Mm-hmm. But brokers are better and we're going to show you why. We're right. going to prove it to you. We're going to give you all of the information that you need. We're going to give you the the meat behind the phrase and behind the saying. Mm-hmm. And I think that all helps bridge the gap with some other people in the industry that haven't always been open to having relationships or partnerships or conversations with us. It's right. not that there aren't other people that are great. We just think we're the best option. Yeah, brokers are better. Yeah. I remember starting out in my career, I was a lender. I worked for New Century Mortgage and then I remember when I moved over to a broker and I, and I always thought like brokers have so many more options, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, I had, you know, I was granted working for a subprime mortgage company and we only had subprime. Uh, but, and I remember being felt feeling so proud when I became a broker Yeah. and then, you know, I was offering all these products and there were so many options and, you know, this is way before the crash, right? Like yep. in, in the early or in the late nineties. But, um, just, I mean, I think, you know, to your name, Association of Independent Mortgage Experts, it's a, it, it's it's brokers are experts. I mean, in, at least the majority of them who yep. are you know who are Absolutely. in this field because they have to be right because they exactly. do have this massive behemoth that, that we're fighting against or compare, competing against. Yep. And so, if we don't have more options, more choices, more you know more knowledge, then you're LO that's going to be at a B of A, you know, you walk in to get it, to get a mortgage there, then, um, you know, what, you know, that's just how we have pride. We have pride because we have way more options. We exactly. are better because of those reasons. We may not have the marketing or the, you know, the fancy, you know, household name, but 
I think most people have a better experience with brokers and that's yep. where they like them. So. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the reviews speak for themselves, right? It's just, again, it's challenging to aggregate that information into one centralized place because brokers are all entrepreneurs. We're made up of mm -hmm. thousands and thousands and thousands of small businesses. Right. That's what our association is. Mm -hmm. We don't have one company with one marketing team, with one centralized database, with one message and one brand that's constantly being pushed out there. We have brokers are better. That's yeah. that's our brand. That's the thing that brings us all together. And we've got a presence in every local community across the country to be able to leverage and a network of experts that are available coast to coast. You may not have the answer, but that doesn't mean someone within our network doesn't. And that's a big part of what makes this community so great and so strong. Yeah. We, we see it all the time. There are hundreds, if not thousands of referrals passed between members of our association every mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. I need a broker in North Carolina. I need a reverse expert in Idaho. I have a borrower looking to buy in Iowa. I've got whatever it is. We've right. got a full list of every state license of every member of our community. We're watching people send their clients, whether it's a second home or somebody's moving out of state or a family member that lives somewhere else, keeping that business in the channel and ensuring that those borrowers have the same caliber of experience that they would with you as a broker That's with good. somebody else in our network is so important and the message just continues to grow yeah true and speaking about you know brokers being smaller as far as, far as like individual entrepreneurs you know as a smaller company you don't have time to go stand in washington and lobby for yep. your you know for your small company yeah. but you know the big banks have tons of lobbyists yes. and they're just they're in there making all these rules and Tell us, I know you guys do some of that, right? Yeah. Like you guys do some lobbying and yep. I've never heard about what, like what lobbying what it, is. Yep, yeah. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about that. I think, so we launched, uh, we launched a government affairs initiative last year. Mm -hmm. I really think if we're just to be very candid and I'm not one to skirt around a situation, mm -hmm. it was a good start, but I don't know that we've seen a lot of tangible results come out of it yet. Lobbying is a really challenging thing to get engaged with if you don't have an unlimited amount of funding. Yeah. And obviously we're a nonprofit and so we don't just have you know, millions right. and millions of dollars in the bank that we can use to leverage on Capitol Hill. But we do have a government affairs committee that just recently launched. So before we had a relationship with a lobbyist, we were working with him directly as the association. But I think we lost some of the what do our members truly need right now and where are the areas that we can be impactful mm -hmm. as opposed to just saying, yeah, we have a lobbying initiative, but, yeah. but what is it doing, right? Yeah, Going like, back what to are that, some challenges? Like, what are some issues that brokers have that you know of that they'd want lobbying for? Yeah, I mean, well, right now it's the AMCs are the hot topic. Obviously, mm -hmm. appraisals are very challenging in the industry in general, but specifically in wholesale. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the focus is the, really the two key initiatives of our government affairs committee at the moment are trying to understand what kind of an impact we can have in the appraisal space, and also trying to understand what sort of counter lobbying we can do in the builder space. We're seeing mm. a lot of uh, a lot of builders, I mean, this is not a secret, pushing borrowers to a certain lender in mm -hmm. a certain direction. A lot of times though, it's actually not very good for the borrower and they wind up with the short end of the stick, but they don't sure. have an option. We've had plenty of brokers come to us and say, I can save this person thousands and thousands of dollars a year, right. but the builder is saying if they don't go with their preferred lender, they're voiding their contract and they're losing their deposit, which is wild that you it's can wild, put a $10,000 yeah. deposit down on a custom home. And at the very end, the builder can say, oh no, you're not using my lender. Sorry. Wow. Tough shit. You just lost it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's terrible to even think about. So yeah. And it just gives an unfair advantage to yeah. the, you know. 
Well, and it does. It's not doing again. Going back to that, brokers are better. It's about what's doing best for the borrower in right. every situation at all times. Which is what Washington's did with Dodd Frank, or at least they tried to, right? Exactly. And so it's like this. This is in perfect alignment with that. Like yeah. I don't see why they would. Well, you know, we all know Washington has friends. They all have friends. You know, everyone's <laughs> got a friend somewhere. Yeah. But I think these committees. So we launched uh, actually six committees at the same time. Government affairs being the first that went live publicly. We've been mm-hmm. working behind the scenes with a group of uh, member leadership for the last, oh gosh, three or four months probably, um, and just made that whole leadership team public along with five others that are launching that are focused on key initiatives that are important to our membership base, mm-hmm. but also create an organizational structure for AIM that's more sustainable long-term, right? We don't ever want to be in a position where we're tied to a single person or a single entity and there's concern or fear over the longevity of the association Mm -hmm. we've got to get to a point where we're self-sufficient and um i always tell my team i will have considered this a successful role if i don't matter Mm -hmm. if i get to the point where we've built something that is so strong and so solid and has a structure in place that will continue to feed itself over time and i'm no longer relevant to that conversation then i've done my job That is my goal. That's what we're working towards. And the committee structure, Government Affairs Committee in particular, is a big part of moving in that direction. We've got to have industry relationships and open conversation and dialogue that's not confrontational, but that still allows us to hold true to the convictions that we have Mm -hmm. and uh, trying to understand how we can navigate Washington and how we can can make some changes without the biggest budget in the world is yeah. tricky, but it's an area that we're really focused on. That's great. We need some, we needed you guys to come along and do this. And I think Nam did a little bit of it, you know, but it just, I never saw a big impact with that. So oh, hopefully think, it'll, it'll, you know, turn out great. Yeah. With your initiatives. I think there's a lot of like industry agnostic. There's a lot of associations that, start really well intentioned Mm -hmm. right there's a there's a goal and you represent a specific audience and there's a purpose behind what you're doing and it can be really easy once you get to a certain scale to lose some of that and to have your focus pulled to revenue sources or income streams or um just reputation with people who maybe aren't your members anymore right? right trying to how are you positioning yourself within an industry as opposed to how are you representing the people that you formed the association for? Yeah. And we're constantly, every single day, the question is, does this help protect, support, or grow the broker community? If the answer mm-hmm. is no, and you can't pinpoint which one of those pillars your actions or your initiative or your tasks are tying back to, we're not doing it. Yeah. It's scratch it off the list. We'd say there's a lot of ideas that go on the whiteboard, but there's a lot of ideas that never come off of it. Mm-hmm. And if you're not tied to one of those things representing our membership base or doing something that is going to help protect the channel or protect our members or support people within our community or help grow the direction that the broker channel or wholesale is going, then Mm -hmm. it's not something that we're going to spend resources on anymore. Um, And I think if we keep coming back to that and keep that as the central focus of all the decisions that we're making, whether it's lobbying on Capitol Hill or launching a campaign or launching our new mentorship program, AMP, all of those things will tie back to one of those pillars and all of our committees are structured underneath. So we have government affairs under the protect pillar. Uh, We have a WMN and a membership committee that fall underneath our support channel. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we've got partnerships, um, channel development and partnerships channel. What's the sixth one? I just had this education partnerships. 
uh, yeah, channel development and education so that we've got really Is it similar clear... to like the MBA ch- uh, education? So I spent some time last mm-hmm. year when we were going through a little bit of a shakeup with the organization, uh, trying to understand how other associations had gotten to scale with both full-time employees and volunteers. And how's that credibility created? How did they create this space in an industry where they're always invited to the table, they're always part of the conversation, they have a large reach and a lot of impact on the direction that mortgages are going Mm -hmm. um, and tried to pull from that some things that we could echo on maybe a slightly smaller scale to start and committees were a big part of that. So trying to make sure we have chairs and vice chairs that are parts of our community. So I'm not on a committee. They work directly with me. I'm an AIM liaison, an AIM sponsor advisor, all of those things. But a lot of their role is to hold me and the rest of the team at AIM accountable for what we're doing and where we're spending time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's my job to hold them accountable to the continued growth of the community and the support of the members that are in it. That's great. So we can rewind in time a little bit. Uh 2008, uh, we had a crash, as we all remember. And I graduated from high school. (laughs) So you don't, it didn't impact you like it impacted me or others maybe watching. I did see it a lot. I did, yeah. I was old enough to, to understand and know what was going on. This was a little bit before I knew I was going to wind up in the mortgage industry, but mm-hmm. I did see it and hear it. And I've got family in Texas, family in Iowa, lots they of different in the mortgage areas industry. that were, are impacted by it. Yeah. Right? Builders or um, developers. I've got an aunt and uncle. Yeah, in the real estate space. So I did see it so from a during different that, view. During that time, it. there was a, uh, a flight from brokers to lenders. So yep. a lot of people were like, I can't do this. And then the laws changed and Dodd-Frank and it became so yep. hard with regulations. Everyone, like all these people went to work for big lenders, yeah, right? Yeah, retail. And then in, I want to say it was like 2017, 2016, 2017-ish, yep. there's starting to be like uh, a renaissance for the broker, yep. right? And then I, we started Brawl, to see. I would, Brawl started, yep, you know. Brawl and, was 2017, I think. And so that started creating this, you know, this, this flight back yep. towards uh, to, to brokers. What are you seeing now? I know COVID may have impacted this a little bit, yep. but is there still a flight over to being a broker is there still that renaissance that's booming? Yeah, we definitely had, there was a lot of activity and a lot of movement to the channel in 2019 and early 2020 pre-COVID, for okay. sure. The yeah. trend was very clear. We saw continued growth of the channel every single quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got up just under, right around 21, 22% market share, I think, right at the very beginning of COVID from, I want to say 7, 8% in 2016, 2017 okay. when it started. So yeah. some massive growth over those three mm-hmm. years. COVID definitely had an impact. I think it it shook up the industry in a way that a lot yeah. of people weren't expecting. Right. Um, but we did continue to see more people open their own shop during COVID than I would have initially expected. Right. We yeah. There was a lot of volatility, but a lot of people that saw the opportunity that came along with that, that decided... Mm-hmm. All right, I'm now making my move. I'm coming over. I'm. I can go I'm get my broker's license. Exactly. Spend some time doing that. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Um, I think this year has been interesting to watch. The appraisal challenges have been really tough for the channel, and we have mm-hmm. seen some people go back to retail purely based off of their the physical region that they live in and their inability to access through. AMC panels or the delays that are tied to it. So true. A, the appraisal thing is. It's a lot. It, there's it's a whole, we could do a whole podcast just yes. on that. Um, the turn times are like. It's. it's we don't go. We don't uh, need to go there. I, yeah. But all of <laughs> that. Just hope it gets better. Yes. And there's a lot. We've got two AMC partners at AIM with First Look and Class Valuation that are 
working really hard on some stuff behind the scenes with us, along with our government affairs committee to see what kind of movement can we make? How do we um, how do we get ahead of anything like this happening in the mm -hmm. future? It, it is it takes a long time to become an appraiser. So there's an immediate yeah. shortage that we're battling as well that we can't fix overnight purely because right. of the requirements to fill that job. Right. Um, but we are we're making some headway. We've had some great conversations with the leaders at both of those organizations. They're great partners. And again, when things go wrong, we have direct access to them to yeah. try and fill appraisal issues. They take your call. They They're like, oh, AIM's calling. Got to take it. Oh, they've got a separate <laughs> team at most of these partners cool. that handle just escalations that we're sending over that jump the line and hop to the top because they mm -hmm. know if you're coming through AIM, we've already vetted the escalation. We've already looked at it. We've tried to help them ourselves. If we can't do it and they've given us documentation, they tried to solve it on their own, that's when we're going to the partner. Mm -hmm. So it, it does sort of jump the line because you know if you're spending time on it, it's going to have an impact. And it's right. not just junk that's getting thrown over the fence that somebody doesn't want to deal with on their own. That's good. But all of that to say, there's a lot of a lot of progress being made and a lot of really cool things that we're working on. Um, and we'll, we'll get there. We'll... It's slowly but surely chipping away, I think, but we're making some progress. So you mentioned uh, you have a women's side yes. to your aim. Tell yeah. us about that. So we launched our Women's Mortgage Network mm -hmm. um, really, really launched January of 2020. Okay. So it's been about 18 months since we took it live. Uh, we went from 40 people in that group at the time to close to 3,500 now. Cool. Um, all... Not all brokers. We do have account executives. We have lender partners that are in there. We've got some vendor partners, but I would say probably 85 to 90% of that group is a part of the broker channel, mm -hmm. which is really cool to see. Different types of conversations, some of the same stuff that you see in Brokers Are Better in that community that carry over, but also just talking about challenges that are unique to the position that you're in as a woman in an mm -hmm. industry that's you know, there's not a lot of female leaders out there. I think for many, many years, I mean, it's still, it's still is majority men, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Even in our statistics, when we're looking at membership, and I think we've got, as an association, we've done a really, we've had a lot of concerted effort towards bringing all of the women that we are aware of in the channel over. And mm -hmm. even with that, we're probably 70-30 men to women. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is a, a pretty good increase, right? Uh, massive yeah. compared to, I mean, I think as an industry, we're probably closer to 80-20 mm -hmm. or 85-15. So we have pulled all of all the women that we can find. We're yeah. pulling them over. We want them to be a part of the community. <laughs> Let's unite. Real, but it's... They're different types of conversations, which I think is the thing that makes me the most proud about what we're doing for women in the channel. I think there's a lot of times where... Um, things can get a little bit negative or uh, the conversations don't necessarily have action items tied to them, right? It's a lot of venting or frustration for any group of people that are sort of banding together that come mm -hmm. from similar background or a similar perspective. And this group has, we've been so intentional about saying, okay, let's listen to what the challenges are, but let's come up with a plan to fix them. What are we doing? And how do we have conversations about being not just a woman in the industry, but the boss, the employer, mm -hmm. right? A lot of these women are entrepreneurs. They own their own business. They're the broker owner, right? Yeah. And how are how are we supporting them to grow in their communities in regions that maybe, I mean, even as a country, there are still regions that don't necessarily, mortgage or not, you don't necessarily walk into an office and assume the woman that's sitting there is the person in charge. Mm -hmm. You'll automatically go to whoever, whatever the first guy is that you see in your eye line and assume that they're the person that you need to be talking to. And we hear those stories 
constantly, especially mm. with our members through the South and the Southeast, that it's just a different, it's different. And I get yeah. it. I'm from Texas. I've been there. I like, I understand where we're coming from. Well, it's, you know, been years and years like that. Exactly. So, to break those kind of, you know, stereotypes. Yeah. And it's, it just takes time. But yeah, like you said, I mean, I, we just did a podcast with a, um, a, a woman owner and she's crushing it and she's exactly. doing so great. And I can, I'm seeing that happen more and more. Yep. So great it's, for what you guys are doing. Like, what is a, can you give any specific examples yeah. of some things you've helped with, yep. with the, with the women initiative? So, well, we do have, we have our women's summit. Um, so we had our first women's summit in March of 2020, literally four days before COVID <laughs> shut everything down out in oh, California. Man. Uh, but we have our women's summit at Fuse this year mm -hmm. is almost sold out and we're still 90 days away from the event. We'll have somewhere between four, probably about 450, 500 women that will be at that event, which That's is awesome crazy some good speakers some good speakers that are going nice. to be a part of that uh people women that have started their own businesses that are work-life balance and talking about sort of reframing the conversation and the narrative about being a part of the mortgage industry and why there are benefits to the things that you can harness about yourself and use those as the bonus and not mm -hmm. as a detriment or looking at it as something that you're trying to overcome but something that you leverage as a good part of why somebody should work with you as a female owner or female loan officer that's out there. Um, Spark and Ignite, the initiatives that we mm -hmm. announced last year at Fuse, we officially launched in the spring. All, the first class of both of those have now graduated. Mm -hmm. um, and a big part of that was supporting women in mortgage as well. So we had about 25 women that we gave grant funding to to help start their own company awesome uh, which is great we have cool. our minorities in mortgage and our military and mortgage verticals as well but women in mortgage was definitely i think the largest group that we worked with this year purely based off of applications that came in um, we just saw hundreds of women that are out there saying i want to do this i want to start my own business i want to work for myself i want to build a team we've got some members that have decided to keep their teams all women, which is pretty cool to see what they're mm -hmm. doing. Um, and being able to partner with account executives that are uh, that are a part of that group as well and creating some of those, the space for those relationships to develop has been, it's been cool. It's fun to see. It's a unique environment. It's one of the only women's groups that I'm aware of that focuses more on being a leader and being the owner or the boss or mm -hmm. how you continue building a business and moving forward and less on how do you deal with a boss? I think there's a lot of corporate women's groups that are more focused on um, women who are doing great things, but are maybe in middle management or entry level roles. And our community is, they're the entrepreneurs yeah. and they're facing very different challenges being in that position. And that's where our conversations tend to tend to focus. But there are meetups that pop up all over the country. People will send in pictures of, I went to dinner with six other women from WMN and look at what that's we cool. did and talked about. It's just seeing that continue to grow and having that feel fostered within our community and being able to create something like that, that women feel not only comfortable, but empowered, empowered. to make those decisions. That, yeah. yeah. It's, it's important. It's, awesome. it's really important to me. When it, I got into yeah. mortgage, I did not see a, there was one woman I sat. Oh my gosh. I will never forget this story. So we had something at Pacific union called business review meetings, we did BRMs every month. Mm -hmm. When I first started there, um, I sort of quickly moved into a, a manager role after I got hired and was subsequently invited to come to the Consumer Direct BRM just to sit and listen more than anything. And it was all of the executive leadership 
at Pacific Union. So there was probably 25, 30 people sitting around this massive table That's in the cool. front, right? Huge thing. And our CEO would sit right in the middle, Rick Skog, who is wonderful, by the way, such a great guy to work, work around and learn from. But we looked at this table and I walked in. There was one woman, one woman in the entire room. And wow. she ran, her name was Barbara Seidel. Also super smart, brilliant woman. She ran, um, she was in sort of the operations and compliance space at the business. There, I didn't see anyone from sales. I didn't see anyone, not even marketing, which I mean, not to stereotype, but typically marketing, there are more women. Yeah. Um, not at our, it was everybody around that table, business intelligence, strategy, uh, full operations team, all men. And as a new woman in the space and coming from healthcare, that's also fairly male dominated, I was like, well, where do I go? What am I, like, who am I gonna, yeah. where, who do I learn from? What do I do? And I, I was very fortunate that there were some others that were there that were willing to kind of pluck me out and take me under their wing and give me a sort of the inside baseball view of what their jobs consisted of and what they were doing and what capital markets looked like and what, um, what our default team was working on and how we were hedging in different spaces to really learn the industry. But there were no other women there. Yeah. And it's been really important to me um, in my career so far. And I, I reiterate this all the time. It's not to take seats away from people. It's just to make room for more chairs. Yeah. And I think there's some really impressive people with different backgrounds that haven't always had an opportunity in our industry that have some really valuable things to say. Yeah. And you know, that same time I was buying a house for the first time by myself and my loan officer was so lovely. But the number of times he asked me, is your dad going to co-sign this? Do you have a husband? Is there a fiance? Oh, Do you have a boyfriend? Gosh. And I was like, I get where you're coming. I was 26. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I understand. But no, for the seventh time, <laughs> no, I'm just buying this on my own. I have my own money. I have Thank it. you. I, you know, I worked really hard to yeah. get here. And the, the face of consumers are changing right. and we have to have loan officers that reflect we, that some people need to be educated right and learn this and because it's i think the the average loan officer is what a 55 year old male or, yep. or older yep and so you know we're this is a new industry i think a lot of young college grads are realizing well i can make money in this exactly. business so there's a whole new you know like alumni or just group of people that are getting into the mortgage business. And a lot of them are women. Exactly. I mean, and, and it's going to change over the, the next 10 years. We're going to see lots oh, yeah. of change. Yep. Lots of change. One thing I want to get to is whether you're a male or female, you, you deal with interest rates rising. Yeah. And so yeah. right now what we've seen recently is, you know, a lot of people have had their pipelines shrink just because you know, half their pipeline was full of refis and they mm -hmm. were all these low hanging fruit, real easy, you know, the, the refi boom. Right. And yep. now, I mean, I've heard from multiple brokers and some lenders that, you know, the pipelines are shrinking, margins are shrinking. Where do they go for new loans and new business and how do they supplement that refi boom? I mean, also there's a tight market with, re with purchases, right? So, yeah. and it's, it's really because, I mean, there's a lot of buyers, but they just can't find inventory. Yeah. And so what have you seen the creative brokers do to keep their pipelines going and to stay busy yep. during this time. It's uh it's interesting. It's something that I, I hear a lot about and just sort of studying the industry, you expect those conversations to be more common now as rates rise. Mm -hmm. There are not very many brokers being negatively impacted by this though. And I say that because I continue to hear over and over, 
I'm already more than 75% of the way to my goals from 2020, mid-year. Mm, great already, year, yeah. This has been a great year. 2020 was a massive year, right? 2021 continuing that trend. But knowing that things are declining and pipelines are supposed to be shrinking, I hear stories every day of brokers saying, this was my biggest month. Nope, this was my biggest month. Crap, I just did. This wow. was my bit. They're continuing to grow. And a large part of that is because we've, we've always focused on Refis are here for now. Purchases are here forever. Right. And yes, there was a lot of opportunity to snag a bunch of refis last year and push mm. them through high volume. Um, but it was also really critical to stay in front of your real estate agent partners or your title partners or be engaged in your local community so that when that cycles out, you're not necessarily trying to source new business. It's mm -hmm. just built in because right. you've maintained those relationships over time. And I think one thing brokers have always done better than anybody else is that mm -hmm. local engagement it's getting right. out there it's knowing the people that they're with we saw brokers last year i'm gonna use brendan mckay as an example he's our new president of broker advocacy he inspired a ton of brokers mm -hmm. when he created COVID first hit and he created a bingo sheet of all the local businesses in the dc metro area that were getting hit pretty hard at the beginning and said hey you play bingo on this sheet go i'll give you a 250 dollars gift card Right. So he That's was tossing great. out uh, consumers. Get out there. This doesn't do anything for me. I don't need anything. But here are a bunch of businesses that are really great, that are local, that are having a hard time. Go support them. Mm -hmm. Well, he did that because he wanted to help support those businesses. But in turn, he now has 15 businesses that do nothing but refer everybody back to him. That's awesome. Because he was able to drive some engagement, giving without expectation of something in return. Mm -hmm. And our community is built on that foundation of support your agents, support your local partners, be a part of your local community, and that business is going to come back. And I think mm -hmm. seeing their volume continue to go up is a testament to that. There's always leads. You can always go out and buy leads. Sure. You should be engaged online. If you don't have a digital footprint, you need to. You better be asking for reviews. I mean, we can get into all that stuff. But right. at the end of the day, brokers are a part of their communities, and that is what makes them so strong in the areas in which they live. And I... I just this morning was on the phone with somebody who said, I just did. I've been in the business for 15 years. I think he said he just did his best month ever in June. That's awesome. And, and you know, you got to think out of the box sometimes. You yeah. got to do these like bingo things. Exactly. And there's so many ideas. And I think at the end of the day, if you see like your pipeline shrink a little bit, you just got to take a minute, do some yoga, whatever you do. Yep, whatever it is. And then just think of, see if there's some other ideas or search online for ideas yep. and we give away a ton of ideas on the podcast on how to get loans. Oh my gosh. Go to oh, your community, the Facebook, and see what people are doing. We've got graphics that are shareable, templates mm -hmm. in Canva that you can pop your own logo onto or your headshot on. We've got um, Facebook ad uh, examples or demos on how to get those things set up, advice. You mm -hmm. can take calls with the head of our digital marketing team at AIM that's we built a pretty strong footprint online. You can have a call directly with Jen and have That's her cool. give you advice, coaching, consulting. So on. if you don't know how to market, you can just call Jen. You could just call, yeah. You can and call Jen, like, you can call Corey, she'll walk you, can call you through Jane. it. Yeah, we've got a That's whole, cool. we've got a whole team of people there that are a resource. That's a, that's a good reason even to just join AIM. Exactly. <laughs> I, we keep coming up with more reasons. Yes. Right? That's all. <laughs> you mentioned Brendan. So like what you guys just brought in your leadership team. Tell yep. like what, what caused that? Yeah. So going back to sort of studying some of these other associations and wanting to, not that I want to write myself out by any means, because I love what I'm doing and what we're able to work on at AIM, but trying to think through what is the structure of the organization? How do we not only create sustainability, but also create credibility within the industry 
And what I was seeing from both associations and mortgage and also outside is that there's visible leadership and vocal leadership that represent different viewpoints and different experiences. And yes, I'm the CEO of our organization, but I've never been a loan officer. And I'll be the first mm -hmm. person to tell you that. I have sat back and studied what you should do and how you should sell and all these things, technology and automation and efficiency that you can create. Right. You throw data at me and I'm like the happiest camper alive. Mm -hmm. That's that's the world that I'm comfortable, but I'm not an LO. And there are things that you need to hear from someone else who's been in the trenches with you side by side. And right. Mark is a fantastic, he is still president of AIM as well, but having a, a multi-pronged president structure to pair off with the committee chairs and vice chairs that are now in place as well was really important. That's cool. um, and having some other leaders that have been really ingrained in the industry over time that... Mm -hmm can push AIMS initiatives and AIMS objectives, but also, again, holding us accountable as an organization because the full-time employees on the team need to be ensuring that we're serving those pillars and doing things that our members need and not just the pressures of what the industry is asking us for, mm -hmm. but making sure that we're keeping that as a central focus. So in Brendan's role as broker advocacy, that's quite literally his job is to call me and say, hold on, or not, that seems weird, or I don't love that, or this is not what's best for our members. Right. Let's push back. What are we going to do about it? And to work with me side by side to figure out how do we continue growing the organization, but doing so in a way that is always advocating for the broker community. That's great. And having talent is never a bad thing, right? Exactly. Adding more talent to the team. And oh my gosh. From their perspective, from the loan officer broker perspective. Yeah. And Having that at the high level is, is huge. Yeah, absolutely. With Brendan, we also brought on, um, we've got a head of partnerships who's filling the role that I was in previously before stepping into the CEO position, Karis Cohen, who's been in the industry for quite some time. She's worked at enterprise level technology companies for the last decade or so. She's seen under the hood at lenders across the country and what they're doing and how we can work with them. Um, Candace Morris is our director of memberships. We have a full membership team and an actual membership structure now that we'll mm -hmm. be rolling out later this year. Okay. Um, so she'll be focused on continuing to push forward member services. Peter Webb is our head of data and development. So he and I spend a lot of time together. Uh, cool. We've got a member portal that we'll be rolling out the second half of the year. We've got handful of brokers that are using that tool right now. One sort of central repository for everything that AIM's doing. So whether you're engaged on social media or not, mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about emails getting lost and all of that. You've got one place to go. And then Jen Leonard that we mentioned is our head of brand strategy and marketing. So continuing to push forward, not just AIM and brokers are better as, as initiatives and brands, but how do we help our members do the same things? Local media pitching, growth in their communities, uh, continuing cool. to get the word out there that that brokers are better. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we're we're also really focused on is helping our members understand why working with, we're calling it our true partner campaign. So why mm -hmm. working with true partners is important, what that does to help protect the channel, help grow the channel without brokers being used as a lead source with certain mm -hmm. companies, because we see it a lot. Um, and a big part of that is diversifying the portfolio of lenders that you work with and looking at opportunities for borrowers that come from uh, maybe a non-traditional background mm -hmm. that don't have the staples of what's necessary for a conventional loan, but are right. still very qualified. Uh, we literally just launched a case study last week talking about this exact subject, and we're able to look at members that said, all right, I added two or three or four lenders to my portfolio and I just did 50 more loans in the last six months because I had an option for people that I would have turned down before. That's huge. Obviously fund loans is a huge 
part of that um, and it's something that we're really focused on helping get out there looking at the non-QM space, not as something that's riskier, but as something that allows lending opportunity to consumers that can't go down the traditional path for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, many of which being brokers, right? Most yeah. brokers need they a non-QM non loan. loan. So, Bank statements is perfect for exactly. a mortgage broker, right? Being like, educated on yeah. what that opportunity looks like. Um, do you guys have anything big that's rolling out or anything well, that we yes. can? Yes. I mean, I don't think it's wide knowledge yet because we're beta testing it, but we have a new primary residence and secondary resident construction product okay construction to perm nice so it's i don't think it's ever been done with a bank statement element to yep. it so we just launched that beta for our tier one brokers but we'll roll it out you know probably in the next couple months but that'll awesome. be something we'll offer maybe what we could do is offer to the aim community next yeah so we please. have our tier one brokers and the aim Perfect. community would be a huge one to, to roll it out to next absolutely it's a special thing because no one else is offering it and yep. we partnered with a with a reit to to buy the loans and they are excited about it. We're excited about it. I mean, they're jumbo loans. I mean, most, I'd say most people want to build a home, like a dream home. Yep. It's going to be jumbo, right? Yep. Like, so, um, you know, ski, ski resort homes or your beach homes and stuff like that. So absolutely, we're excited about those products. There's also new products. I'm a product junkie. So we'll, fun loans will probably come out with some other products pretty soon too. Cool. But um, it's exciting stuff. It's super exciting. Yeah. And it's so, it is so important. All of this ties back to that validation and being able to really show people why a broker is the best option and having this kind of optionality in the space and being mm -hmm. able to work with partners that are constantly looking for product opportunities to add and expand and not just saying, all right, here's what's, what fits in a nice box that yeah. a bank's going to love, but here's what consumers need and here's how we're going to facilitate that. And we're going to do that through working with a broker and having brokers work with companies like Fund Loans is, it's so important. It's so totally. critical to continue pushing that message that we can't be the best if we don't have the options and companies like yours help bring those to the table. So we're super grateful to have you as a partner. I know our community loves working with fun loans. I'm excited love to see working with you guys, the so. crypto stuff that came out recently. I'm excited yes. to see this new product. We've got lots of good, lots of good buzz going on on some of these unique opportunities for borrowers that are uh, still, like we said, it's a great options, great business. They just mm -hmm. fit into a different bucket. Yeah. I think human, the human element, right? Not yeah. everyone fits into the box. Exactly. So. Exactly. How do we find you and AIM? Does there, yeah. Just tell us our website. and AIMgroup.com. Yeah. So A-I-M-E mm -hmm. group.com. Um, you can find everything you need on our website. If you're a broker, you're in the wholesale channel, you can join our Facebook group. It's Brokers Are Better. Do um, it. Do it. Join the join group. Join the Facebook group. Yes. Come to Fuse. AIM mm -hmm. Fuse in Las Vegas. September 24th and 25th is going to be... It's going to be massive. That's it's going to be amazing. massive. We have literally every convention space the Bellagio has on site is ours for the event. We've gotten amazing. that big. Wow. So come network, meet people, meet mm -hmm. leaders of the businesses that we're working with, that we're partnered with. I, for sure. I, there's just there's a lot of really cool stuff coming. There's regional events that will be rolling out, but you can find everything on our website. You can always email us, info at aimgroup.com. Yeah. We've got a whole team of people ready and willing to help. And uh, there's some, some great stuff on the horizon. I'm excited to see. We'll have to do this again in a year and see yes. all these things that we're talking about. How far did we like get? This be like an annual thing. Do? Yes, yeah. we have to do it. Exactly. Well, thank you for joining. And if you guys haven't already, follow our social, follow Instagram. We have a lot of content that we're giving away. So, and then follow Katie here yeah. and, and just like, share, subscribe, you know, we'll do more of these and let us know what you want to hear. So awesome. thanks for coming Thank on. Thank you. Appreciate it.